the Lord allowed me to see, like step back. I always ask people to step back and look at the situation with an objective eye. And like, why would God be doing this if this was in fact a biblical idea? Or why did Jesus not say this? Like, if this were such a, a if this issue was so biblical centric and so gospel focused, why did Christ not mention it at all? Like, it just seemed like he was kind of like he's derelict in his duties, man. He could have he could have dropped us a little critical race theory nugget if it was that true. Or maybe it wasn't really that true. Jason Whittaker, apologist, blogger, YouTuber. Jason is a staunch defender of the Christian faith. He currently runs a YouTube channel and a podcast called Dear Woke Christian, a channel dedicated to critiquing critical theory, wokeism, and other cultist ideologies. His videos are an open letter to Christians who claim to be woke to compare CRT to what scripture says. But most importantly, Jason is a father to his wife and kids and serving faithfully as a deacon in a Presbyterian church in Georgia. In this episode, we discuss the origins of his channel, how he was saved from the purpose-driven church, and what is social justice. All right, well, thank you, Jason, so much for um, uh, coming and uh, being able to do this interview. Man. I appreciate uh, having you. Yeah, so for those of you who don't know, um, Jason does this YouTube channel mm-hmm. called Dear Woke Christian. It's more like an open letter format in which he it just pretty much talks to um, people, Christians that claim to be woke. And it's a very open letter format. Um, it's very much different, like A.D. Robles, he usually comes like with a sledgehammer and all that, but he does it more graciously, he does it more like, um, with a lot of grace in it. So, I'm kind of curious though, like, briefly just describe to yourself, like, why'd you start this channel? Like, how'd you, what were your origins with this? I love it. So, I started Dear Woke Christian as an open letter, um, in light of what was happening in 2020. Everybody knows what happened in 2020. So in um, what it be about March or April or so, there was just a lot of drama going on as related to the pandemic and the such like that. And then come the springtime, early summer, we had what happened in Minnesota. And from there, I found that a lot of my less melanated friends were coming to me saying, Jason, um, I know how you're feeling. Jason, do you want to talk? Jason, uh, where, where are you right now? How are you, how are you processing this? And I realized that they had bought into a narrative that everybody that had high melanin felt a certain way. Just like I would, it would be wrong for me to assume that everybody who has less melanin feels a certain way or everybody from one region feels the exact same way. I said, no, this is not, this is not my story. He did not represent me. I don't think that that police officer represented you. And I felt like somebody needed to say something. And because of that, because I recognize that I, my views are not the common view, I said, you know what, I'm going to just write a little bit about it. So I actually started on Gab, and I would just find things that were a puzzle. Um, and I would say, hey, dear woke Christian, what do you think about this? Or, hey, dear woke Christian, how do you process this Bible verse? And somebody said, you should put this on a blog. So I said, you know, that'd be a good idea. Maybe I will put it on a blog. So I started dearwokechristian.com. 
And from there, a good friend of mine said, Jason, this should be a YouTube channel. You should actually do videos. I said, there is no way anybody would want to watch this. There's no way that I should do a video. But I'll try it. And that was the genesis. So back in October of 2021, I started, or actually September, please forgive me. I started Dear Woke Christian YouTube channel. Okay, so you started a YouTube channel because you saw what was going on. Um, but you decided to pursue like a more open letter format. Um, was it because of you already did it in a blog sphere first and then you just simply incorporated that? Or did you just look at, you know, the other videos that tackled social justice and were like, you know, what, I'm going to pursue it differently? Well, I wanted to pursue, pursue it differently for sure. But I also wanted to bring the scriptures to bear. Okay. So I wanted to make sure that um, I, I, if I'm if I'm going to write a letter to Ibram X. Kendi, if I'm going to call out Eric Mason, if I'm going to point out the errors and Robin D'Angelo's ideology. I want to make sure that the scriptures are there because it's not just they have an issue with me or that I have an issue with them. It's that you are buttressing up against, you're bumping up against the scriptures and sir or ma'am, you're in some deep trouble. So I wanted to make sure that it was clear that this is not just Jason's thoughts and these are not just Jason's ideas, but rather I see that there's a biblical error here. And I saw that so many Christians were getting pulled into the the cyclone of critical race theory and such like that. I said, hey, you might want to, you know, stop playing this game with them. So and not because, again, because Jason said so, but because the scriptures don't actually support what you're being told. So I thought that a, an open letter to discuss um, a, a sermon or discuss a book or discuss a lecture or article in um, in a pop, on a popular blog or Christian website would be the best way to handle it, to point it out, say this is what they're saying, this is what the scriptures say, they don't line up. And you, you need to make a decision for that. So if you continue to do that, you can't say that it's biblical though. So I, I thought that that would be the best way to address that issue. Yeah, well, thank you for giving a little synopsis. And we're going to go in a little more into depth on the social justice stuff and all that. But I'm actually kind of curious. I was I listened to a little bit of your testimony, I think, with A.D. Robles. And you mentioned that for a time um, you were caught up in the social justice movement. But before you even got into that, um, how did you be- get saved? Like, how did you come to know Christ? Excellent question. So living here in Atlanta... Um, Everybody in Atlanta is a Christian. And so we, we all just believe that we're saved. And I was going around in that same, I, I'm just saved, malaise. I just knew it. Um, problem was, I wasn't. So graduated from college here, been married here, was attending church, doing church, all those kind of perfunctory things. But I myself was not a believer in Christ. I had not been regenerated. So, and it actually took me leaving um, the purpose-driven church model for me to realize, like, you know what? I don't know if I'm, a, I don't think I'm on the right side of, of the cross. Like, so, and so my salvation, the Holy Spirit regenerated my heart after I realized that the, the purpose-driven church, and many people hear me talk about purpose-driven church and what I feel about that. But once I realized that the purpose-driven church model and what we had been teaching was actually not biblical. Hmm. Um, and from there, I was like, wait, what else have I been missing? And so by his grace, the Lord opened up my eyes to see that I was not saved, mm. that I had been doing all of these actions, doing all these deeds and such like that. But I myself was not regenerated. Mm. So through some good sound teaching 
and some good sound preaching, the Holy Spirit opened my eyes and regenerated my heart to be saved. And uh, so I, I, I'm hesitant to say it, but I'm like, wow, I believe that I, I had gone so long not being saved. I, I really believe that the Lord saved me and set me free only in the last six years. Hmm. So, wow. I mean, so I spent quite a bit of my time in self-deception and my knees shake about the fact that at any time I could have passed away, at any time I could have died, at any time I could no longer be here and I would have be, been judged. Hmm. So, so yes, that's my... So by God's grace, you, like, he kept you and sustained yes. you until you actually came to a solid understanding of the gospel. And that's absolute true. So, like, from there, though, after you left, I guess, the purpose-driven church, or maybe it was even during the purpose-driven church, um, social justice suddenly became on the forefront of everyone, everyone's mind, like yes. with George Floyd and all that. Mm -hmm. um, you said in your testimony that you got a got yourself caught up into it. How, how was that so? So let me, let me make sure I'm real clear. I was not out protesting and rioting and all that kind of stuff. We live here in Atlanta, so it, it's very easy to be a part of something and not fully understand what you're a part of. So when I say that, I, I really believe that social justice was biblical justice. Okay. So anytime that something was, was said to be a social justice issue or a gospel issue with that sprinkling of that malaise of social justice. I just believe that that was right. Oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Until it started to dawn on me, the scriptures don't actually support this. And the scriptures don't actually say what I thought it said about XYZ issue or this particular um, issue. So that's what I meant by I was caught up in social justice. Again, I wasn't out protesting. I wasn't out, but I was aware and I just thought it was like a given. Oh, absolutely. But it really wasn't. Okay. So with that said, um, like what made it appealing to you then? Uh, the fact that you've done something wrong to me by, um, by nature of the fact that you have less melanin and I can get something from you. Man, that's great. Uh, it was greed. It's covetousness. The idea that, man, I can, man, just because I have more melanin, these people owe me something? Man, come on. Absolutely. So that's what is appealing to me. Not necessarily I want something for everybody, but just the fact that I can get something for me if, if I'm being honest. Like, you know what? This is actually going to work out. This could work out for me. And so that was what was appealing to me, the, the idea that social justice would work something in my favor or, or work something in my benefit. So like, so how'd you get out of that then? Cause usually some people, they would drift into it and they never get out. But how is it that you managed to like get out of it? I love it. So again, I, I, I give all glory and honor to God for not allowing me to get sucked so far gone as you know, people who are, who are gone completely they, you, you don't even recognize them anymore. So it wasn't ever, I, I, I don't feel like I was ever in third tier um, yeah. uh, critical race theory of social justice, but rather I was just like, hey, just kind of dipping my toe in the pool, hanging out and such like that. So it was really the fact that the Lord allowed me to see, like step back. I always ask people to step back and look at the situation with an objective eye and like, why would God be doing this if this was in fact a biblical idea or why did Jesus not say this? Like if this were such a, a, if this issue was so biblical centric and so gospel focused, why did Christ not mention it at all? Like it just seemed like he was 
kind of like he's derelict in his duties, man. He could have he could have dropped us a little critical race theory nugget if it was that true, or maybe it wasn't really that true. Hmm. Maybe it's something that we made up, and so that's what kept me. I really believe that that nagging question kept me from diving headlong into the deep end of the critical pool or the social justice pool. And so as it became, as, as 2020 started to morph and become what it was, I was already like, nah, I'm already, I'm, I'm not going to play this game. So it was very easy for me to be objective, very easy for me to say, yeah, nah. And I also, because I, again, attest that I had just really come into true saving faith. So with that, wanting to better understand what God's word said, I wasn't going to be easily fooled and tricked with, you know, um, social justice is a, is a biblical justice. No, no, I can see that now. I see clearly that's no longer, that's not true. Um, r- racism is ubiquitous. No, I don't No, It's not. Um, as I tell people all the time, racism isn't a thing. Like there are no races. And I can I can understand and unpack that for someone to help them see. No, there's not. There's no other races. Hmm. There's only one. So therefore, maybe this racism thing is really just partiality. And if it's partiality, then James gave us a really clear and solid remedy for that. So we don't need you to pay me money to do away with racism. We don't need me to get a hiring um, being favorably hired just to do away with racism. We don't use partiality to defeat partiality is really that simple. Yeah, pretty much. So with that said, we're going to, I guess, dive in into the social justice whole thing. Let's have some fun. Let's go. Oh, dear. So we're going to go into a little bit of the uh, the social justice stuff. I think for our audience, can we like define, I guess, what is social justice? What is it? Okay. So my understanding of social justice is that whatever the culture is saying as it relates to dealing with a particular inequity. So for example, if you were hired um, for a particular role in a company and I had also interviewed for that role, then we'll look at that saying you were hired simply because of your ethnicity or your melanin content. And I was not hired because of those same reasons. So social justice looks at that and, and tries to find well, so, and makes rather those assertions. And then from those assertions, it says that then Jason should be hired or you should be fired or Jason needs to get the same kind of outcomes that you have. Never mind that you're more qualified. Never mind that you actually have a degree in this area. If Jason applied for that position, he should have gotten that position or you shouldn't have been hired, but rather somebody else who does not look like you should have been hired. So social justice in a lot of ways is, is very nebulous, kind of like critical race theory. It's very nebulous and it's usually whoever's wielding it and whoever's swinging the bat determines how hard it is. I think that's what makes it kind of frustrating in a sense because really like you can put all these definitions of social justice and critical theory, but really it's almost like the definitions have to come from the person that's wielding this thing. And you're like, we're, that's why we get so many like crossovers. Like we're not talking almost on the same page very often. And a lot of the time I actually, you actually have to ask people because people tell me all the time, well, I don't believe, I don't subscribe to critical race theory. Okay. Not a problem at all. Do you believe this? Yes. How about this one? Oh yeah, yeah. I believe that. How about this? Do you believe that this is right? Oh, absolutely. I said, you do realize that those are three tenets of critical race theory that you don't subscribe to 
that I just outlined to you. So we have a couple things. Either A, you do subscribe to critical race theory and you just don't know it. I don't think there's a B. So you do realize that, right? And helping them see that and unpack it a lot of the time is, is meaningful because a lot of the time people don't realize what they're saying and they don't realize like, I don't believe, or, or rather, I believe that this is true. Well, you do realize that that's part of a critical race theory paradigm, right? So helping them see that a lot of the time is beneficial. And just asking them questions like, what do you understand? Because people always want to push back on me. Hey, if you can't define critical race theory, you can't speak positively about it. Okay, if that's what you, if that's what you say, I'm going to keep talking about it, though, so you can just waste your time. So, or you can tell me what it is that you disagree with and, and what I've said. I've laid out my case. There are no races. What is your disagreement about that? I've laid out the biblical content for where I got that from. So can you explain to me where we're wrong? Do you think there's a difference between, I think very often we use social justice and critical theory and wokeism. Do you think there's a distinction between the three or is it just often interchangeable? I think, in my mind, I believe that they're all very much the same. And they're, they're all the same, maybe a different edge of the, of the sword, but they're all pretty much the same thing. And most people who disagree with you, if you really press down and you really dig down, at the end of the day, they're probably saying wokeism is critical race theory, which is an offshoot of social justice, just like we're saying it. So at the end of the day, and, and a lot of the time the terms, like the, the, the umbrella term and titles are really, that's not really an issue. What do you actually believe about racial unity in America? What do you believe about races? What do you believe about racial reconciliation? Explain it to me. And usually from there, you get a lot more. They might still call it social justice. And in your mind, you're saying that's critical race theory. It doesn't matter. It's still the, the, the definition sometimes is not as important as the application. So you could define it as wokeism. I can, you can call it social justice. I can call it, um, critical race theory, but at the end of the day, it's the application of it. And that's where, usually where the, the error comes in.